grace, mercy, and peace be on you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us this day is the Old Testament lesson read previously. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, if I were to ask you this morning to think of your two or three most treasured possessions, what would come to your mind? Perhaps first you might think of those things that have the greatest monetary value, a house or a car. Or perhaps you would think of something that's connected to a milestone in your life, a special award or recognition of achievement that you received. Or perhaps you would think of something that has a special sentimental value to you, a gift that was given you by a close friend or relative. But I'm confident that after you thought about that question for a while, you might think of your close friends and family members themselves, if we can think of them in the right way as our possession. Perhaps those seated right next to you in the pew this morning would be among your most treasured possessions. And if that's your thinking, then you know exactly how God thinks about you and all of his children. Because in our Old Testament lesson for today, he refers to us as his treasured possession. Ah, but wait a minute, Pastor. You might be thinking you have forgotten one very, very important treasured possession that I have. For far above physical blessings in this world, and even far above my family members and close friends, is my faith in Jesus Christ. That is my most treasured possession because my relationship to God is the most important thing I have both here and in eternity. And I agree with you. But unfortunately, God's people in the Old Testament lesson for today, at least many of them, were not thinking in those terms when it came to their relationship with God. God begins our Old Testament lesson for today by saying that his people have spoken hard words against him. In other words, they've told him off, saying that it's vain, it's it's useless to follow you. In other words, they're saying, what good is it to follow you and to parade in front of you, repenting of my sins and walking in mourning before you, when it's the arrogant and the evildoers who are prospering? The very ones who test God, they say, having no regard for him, defying him to strike them down, and yet they escape. What good is it to follow you? they are saying to God. Perhaps we've had a moment like that or two in our lives as well. When things have not been going very well at all, and we look around and see people who have no regard for God, seeming to have not a care in the world, and prospering much more than we are. Perhaps at those times in life, we are tempted to have a little conversation with God, exactly as God's people were in the Old Testament lesson for today, saying to him something like this, 
I'm in church most every Sunday. I confess my sins to you. I'm trying to the best of my ability to live a life that's pleasing in your eyes. I'm trying my very best to be a good husband or wife, father or mother, son or daughter, brother or sister, and this is what I get. And I look around and I see other people who wouldn't dare set foot in a church on any given day. They have no regard for you. In fact, they openly defy you, and yet they are prospering, seeming not to have a care in the world. What good is it to follow you? How would God respond to these hard words and hard thoughts on the part of his people? With love. Definitely undeserved love and mercy. For in our Old Testament lesson for today, Malachi records how God's people who still feared him, meaning those who were still faithful and following him, came together and talked together, and the Lord heard their conversation. And a book called A Book of Remembrance was written. We think that was the book that contained all the names of those who were still faithful to God, the names that God would remember eternally with his grace and his mercy. And likewise, God has also responded with love, undeserved love, in the face of our hard words and hard thoughts against him. For there is another book mentioned in Scripture, a book that contains your name, a book that contains the names of all who trust and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. It's the Lamb's book of life that is referenced in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. Your name is inscribed in that book, along with all of his children, people that he will remember just as the book of remembrance with his grace and mercy eternally. And then, in what seems incredible to us, God refers to all of his children as his treasured possession. Imagine that. In all that God created, with all of its beauty and magnificence and grandeur, he refers to us as his treasured possession. And he promises us that his treasured possession will never perish. He says he will spare his treasured possession just as a father spares his son who serves him. Those of us who are parents know exactly what that means. Our love for our children is so deep and so broad that we would take their place, if it were possible, instead of their experiencing agony or pain. And the irony, of course, in all of this is that this same gracious God who would spare his most treasured possession, just as a father spares his son, did so by not sparing his son. Instead, he delivered him up for our transgressions. 
This was the same son of whom the father said at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the same son who came not to do his own will, but to do the will of the father who sent him. And that will of the father for him was that he should endure every ounce of God's wrath for the sins of the world, that he should die on the cross in our place, that he should shed his blood as payment in full for our sin. That's how our loving Heavenly Father spares us his treasured possession. And of course, it's in baptism which we are privileged to experience in the next two services here at St. Paul's, that God made us his possession, working through the water and the word to create faith in Jesus Christ in our hearts, to wash away our sin, to place his name upon us, to make us heirs of eternal life. And how well he cares for us as his treasured possession feeding us in abundance through his word and through his sacrament. What a privilege to be his treasured possession. It was on a beautiful afternoon in 1941 that Violet Bailey and Steve Booth were walking along a countryside road in the countryside of England. They were in love with one another and they were engaged to be married. And on Violet's ring finger was a beautiful diamond engagement ring, one of her most treasured possessions. Well, at some point during that walk, an argument developed between the two of them, and it escalated very quickly. And it got so intense that at one point, Violet reached down, took that engagement ring off her finger, and threw it as far as she could into a field of tall grass. Well, the couple made up, and as you can imagine, returned to that field looking hour after hour for that lost engagement ring and never found it. They were married two months later, and they went on to have one child and one grandson. And from time to time, they talked about how that engagement ring was lost. Violet and Sam grew old together and Sam died in 1993. Fifteen years later, in 2008, that grandson purchased a metal detector and went back to that field and in less than two hours found that lost engagement ring, a ring that had been lost for 67 years. With a smile on his face, he went to his grandmother, Violet, and placed that ring back on her finger. One of her most treasured possessions was now back home. In the same way, Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the grace of God, he has found each and every one of us. And in the same way, he will return on the last day and take each one of us, body and soul, his treasured possessions, home to heaven. Until that day, and while there is still time, 
Let us, as his church, do everything possible in our prayers, in our words, and in our deeds to seek those who are lost, to bring Jesus Christ to them, so that on that day also they too might go home as his treasured possession. May God so grant it for all of us in Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. We confess the Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Please stand. 